Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today we are here with some very good friends of mine, Matt Lonquist, Randy Lonquist, and my father is here as well. Um, Randy is a legendary bow hunter. He was the fourth person to get the super slam with all of the animals in Pope and Young with a bow, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. And then Matt is Randy's son, and that's all we know about him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, he is also um, a very good bow hunter. He has the second archery coos deer and the former first archery SCI mule deer, um, but not anymore. He got beat, but whatever. <laughs> um, but they're very good friends of ours, and we have great hunting stories with them. So what's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming all the way over on yes. a Friday. I know that uh, Matt doesn't have anything to be doing, but Randy, you're probably busy and have a lot of optimistic things. To <laughs> <do>. <laughs> a lot of good things going for and Randy. And when did you get your Grand Slam of Sheep? Where were you in that whole archery? Grand scene? Slam of Sheep? Yeah. Um, do you remember what actually, your rank was? With actually, Matt. Oh, Matt beat you by Matt one. Matt beat me by one. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, beat. we were 19 and 20. 19 and 20, 19, yeah. yeah. So. Now, did he actually beat you, like, date-wise when he got his fourth, or did he just put it in the paperwork? No, no, he, he, <laughs> he beat it. I slipped that. What in. year was that, Matt? Do you remember? Um, I think it was 04. I think I'd have to check on Somewhere that. I think it was 2004, there, yeah. 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 I could see Matt <clears throat> letting the air out of your tires just to get there to the mailbox <laughs> before you. All of them. All the tires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do a job, might as well go all out, you yeah, know. Yeah, do it right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt and Randy um, helped me on my desert sheep hunt here in Arizona. And then. Um, helped me on my desert sheep hunt. And they helped you on your desert sheep hunt. My and, second um, one. <laughs> yeah. And, and Matt. That was fun. The year was I so had a. Uh, the year I had drawn a, a rifle tag for the Arizona Strip, which is 13B, Matt calls me. Uh, I had the auction tag for desert sheep, and he was supposed to be out looking for sheep, and he calls me. He's like, uh, <laughs> hey, Baba, it's Matt. Listen, um. I, I drew a desert. I drew a mule deer tag on the strip. And do you mind if I if I took off just a couple of days from scouting and went out <laughs> and, and uh, hunted for deer? And uh, I sat on the phone for like thirty seconds and didn't say anything. Just kind of went, <sighs> Matt. <laughs> what what dates are you talking about, Matt? I said, well, it'll just be a couple of days. And uh, I think it was November, right? Or no, when it was no. August. This is August. Yeah, 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 August, whatever. I'm like Matt. You know, if you're not gonna be serious about helping me on this hunt, then I'll get somebody else. But I, I was under the impression that when you said you helped me with the the desert sheep tag, that you'd be committed and you'd help find a good one. But if you want to go play around with your bow and arrow and try to kill your own deer, then I guess you know. He's like, he's like no, no, no. It's okay. I don't really need to go. I just was asking. And I was like, what kind of a jerk do you think I am to tell you no? I said, you can go, but you better not kill a bigger buck than me. And then he goes and kills a bigger buck than me. So, uh, oh, they were right there, <clears throat> same size. And you let him back two, in his house. Two phenomenal bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. That year was Great crazy bucks. though. Multiple that was, was that uh, 2010, right? Um, yeah, I think that was 10. It was just ridiculous. A lot of big bucks that year. Apparently, there were a few that were like caught in traps or fences because you were able to sneak up on one. So yeah, he, one he couldn't hear or see, so it made it <laughs> made my job easy. That's the kind <laughs> I look for. <laughs> um, well, I think I, think I have some uh, audio from that's, that. Well, it's you're a little uh, slow. Anyway, so. Oh, hold on. This is from, uh, this is actually the sister, I think, of the uh, buck that you killed they're talking about here. And she's a big old girl. Funny thing is, she's blind in both eyes. Yeah, just like the yeah. deer that you got. It must have been a genetic thing. <laughs> You're right. That was Steve Irwin. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like my dad said, you um, guys were on my desert sheep hunt, and I was just kind of curious. Have the kofos recovered from me flooding them? 
No, I, I mean, especially with how good the water has been out there this year, mm-hmm. you you did a number out there on that. Oh. I mean, what Jennifer is talking about is <laughs> her idea of cooking Mountain House <laughs> is adding, I don't know, 10 times the amount of water that's needed. That is not required. true. It at was all. a lot. It was a lot. I don't know. I mean, it still fit in the bag. So well, we still had to, we had to jump over the puddle out the front of the trailer. To well, my, did my dad have to jump or did a normal human have to jump? <laughs> yeah, that's real funny. You know, the nice thing about having these guys here as guests is we could all line up and start singing the lollipop kids from, from the Wizard of Oz. And we pretty much fit that's in. That's pretty true. Yeah. I'm glad there's not a height limit to be on this podcast. <laughs> you got to have fun or it doesn't count. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yeah, I do kind of get a lot of crap for the amount of water I put in that mountain. That was fun. The nice thing fine. is that Matt let it go. He didn't, like, make fun of you no. for about no. – What's no. it been? Three, six months, something like that? Three, six months? Well, it would have been so bad, but it was our – we had one left of that. That's flavor. not true. No, no, be, no, because the next morning you found your secret stash of all the good mountain houses. It's yeah, not, but I didn't know at the time. Yeah, that's that's not your fault. That you, it's not my, my fault that you forgot where you put your good yeah, stash. Okay, you're right. You're right. Because you knew they were there. You just forgot where they were. Then the next morning you're like, oh, dang it, I found them. And I was like, sounds like a you problem to me. Oh. Well, the good news is when you hunt sheep with Jennifer, it's usually only a day or so. so yeah. Yeah, seriously. You know, it's not like a. You were there for one day. I think you got yeah. a giant desert. I think sheep we were there in total like um, twenty-seven hours. Like <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, we were really blessed on that hunt. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. incredible. We were incredibly blessed, but there was a lot of scouting time put in. It was just great that yeah. the yeah. ram came back into our unit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. lucky. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, well, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about hunting. So, how did you guys get into hunting? Why don't you start Randy, with me? If you would let me get my next <laughs> sentence out. Every time I say something, he goes, why don't you do this? I'm like, well, if you give me a second for my, my next sentence. I just bring sentence. it up because if you let Matt go first, there'll be no more time for anybody else to talk. <laughs> well, you say it. And my next sentence is always going to be what you tell me to say. I was about to say, well, Randy, why don't you go first? Right as you said, why don't we let, let Randy go first? <laughs> well, that's good. So, Apparently, I'm training you well if your next sentence is one that's actually Should Dad and I go out the room for a little bit? You can go out, Matt. It's fine. We'll just talk to Randy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so how did you get into hunting, Randy? Oh, it started out as a little tiny kid because I liked started out chasing grasshoppers. And I was just, <laughs> when I was just a little kid, and then I went from there to birds, and I moved to Yuma from Idaho and started chasing lizards, and I just learned a love for the outdoors. Awesome. So. And I assume um, that you got in hunting because of your dad. Yes. Yeah, he did. He uh, he's got yeah. some big shoes to follow, but uh, it's been fun. You know, it's funny about. Matt, when he was, I got him his first bow when he was 10. He and a couple of friends. Oh, was that your next question? Yeah, it was going to be how'd you get your first bow? Well, we can wait for yeah. it, but actually, well, I it mean, was go before ahead. that. It was, uh, oh, he's, he started hunting way before that, but I mean, that's when you first started really getting into bow. Right. There was, um, and this is one of my oldest memories. There was a fiberglass compound that I wanted so bad. And you, uh, you kept saying, oh, I'll get it, I'll get it. And um, you brought it. I think it was from PSC. It was like one, in one of those little packages. Little package, and anyways, yeah. yeah, you ended up bringing it one night. And uh, it was that, that's the 
one yeah. of the oldest memories I can remember getting that bow. But I think I was yeah, only five you're, or six. You're, yeah, was, you were yeah. a little kid at that time. And we yeah. played around with recurves and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. that bow, I was so excited to get that bow because it came with like three arrows, came with a wrist guard, finger tabs. And, it was in cardboard yeah. with plastic over the top of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, <clears throat> but, it's getting uh, real fancy over tell there. Them, tell them about your first kill. I don't know. If <laughs> I don't know where her no, go. Is that go. all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not. It's not scripted. You know, just talk about whatever you want. To talk so about. yeah, my first kill was a bird when I. It was right around that time because I mean I used to chase anything in our backyard. I mean I chased everything, missed everything, and finally, uh, this bird was in this tree, and I crawled up to it and uh, I zapped it, and I just remember the feathers all in the tree. And I mean it was a long time ago. It, it's one of my older memories, but um. And just feathers everywhere, and I was just so excited to get it. And I think this is why I can remember it, because I think my mom scarred me. So <laughs> I, I go in yelling, so excited that I shot this bird with my bow. And my mom tore into me and gave me the right act about killing this bird. Well, I mean, I was devastated, and all of a sudden, Dad comes home. And I come running to him because I'm thinking I'm dead. I mean, if mom yelled at me, I'm going to get it from dad. And I'm crying like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And my dad's just like, what's wrong? What would you do? And I go, I shot a bird in our backyard. And you did. He was so excited. And I, I mean, I think that's what's messed me up my whole life is I was very confused of the dad was excited for me. My mom was mad at me. But it was, yeah, it was neat. He was, was only like five or six years yeah. old. He was little. But I, I was impressed. I took him outside and high-fived him. And <laughs> that's awesome. But, Matt, yeah. that, that um, mixed message stuff prepares you for marriage. You know, that's a good point. Get you set up for there's <laughs> nothing right, nothing wrong. It's sort of like you never know what's going on. I, I'm lucky. I'm married to Lisa. And she puts up with a lot. <laughs> yes. well, I mean, yeah, she married you. So <laughs> definitely a saint. Uh, that's a funny. When I was out here shooting, I, I can't remember what I was practicing for, but I was shooting at like 30 or 40 yards, and David was four or five, and he was out there watching me shoot. And I had a target set up here. There was a vacant lot next door, and. This quail, this male quail, flies over and lands on a piece of wrought iron that's propped up just right next to the target. And he's sitting there. And David goes, Dad, shoot that quail. And I said, David, I don't want to shoot that quail. You know, and he goes, well, we can eat it. And I said, I know, but if I shoot him and I miss or the arrow goes through him, I'll break the arrow. I don't want to waste it. And he's like, come on, please, please, please shoot the quail. <laughs> so like, all right, you know, it's, I think it was like November or something. So they were in season. And I went inside and. I was taking my time hoping the quail would leave because he's sitting on top of there just calling like they do. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and I got one of those um, like grasshopper type tips, one of those prong deals to put on judo small too, game yeah. judo tips. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I put it on the arrow and I walk back out and the thing is still sitting there. So 20 yards away from it, I draw back and I'm hoping the thing's going to leave and I shoot. And David's standing next to me and I hit that and it was just like, poof. It was just, <laughs> it just blew awesome. feathers up in the air like a snow globe. And they fell back down real slow. And I look at David. His eyes were huge. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was the coolest thing I've ever seen, Dad. <laughs> and then we spent like an hour and a half looking for my arrow. We never found it. I think we found a foot from the quail. One foot. We couldn't find That's the quail. Awesome. We couldn't oh, find boy. the arrow. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, and Dave was so excited. I was like, see, Dave, that's why I don't like to shoot quail with a bow. But How old was he? He was like four or something oh, like that. Uh, that's cool. I became instantly a legend at that second time I shot the quail. <laughs> so funny. Uh, well, what was your first kill? 
Oh, my first kill, I think, was a cottontail rabbit. I, I was pretty young, and I watched it run into a wood pile. And I dug <laughs> out the wood pile and found him, and I shot him. <laughs> I felt pretty bad after I shot that. <laughs> and you were just a little kid then? Just a little kid, yeah. I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't very old. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's fun to let kids be kids. Oh, yeah. It's just part of growing up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when we were kids, we'd go camp up at Big Lake, and we would get squirrels and rabbits and stuff like that and mm-hmm. bring them back and cook them up and yep. we were the conquering oh, heroes cool. walk in with a, a cottontail rabbit mm-hmm. it's a big deal you know i still have uh, never tried a cottontail <laughs> they're good they I are good they, they are, are good. good yeah yeah i worked at a s- scout camp up the teton peaks in jackson Hole, wyoming when i was a young kid i worked for three years but i'd take guys on survival hikes and we'd take our bows but we shot a lot of squirrels and yeah uh, it was a lot of fun we'd start from uh, Driggs and then go over the top and come into Jenny's Lake. And it would take four or five days to do it. And but there was also survival. That, but That's cool. That's should, we shot a lot of squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> what was your good. recovery rate on arrows for those sort of deals? Seems like you'd stick a lot of them <laughs> up in the tree. We took a lot of arrows with us. Yeah. We'd shoot them all down low. We wouldn't yeah. shoot up high. We'd shoot down low. When yeah. down low. Yeah. Did you shoot them with blunts or? No field tips. Oh. <clears throat> I shoot them for the tips. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing that with the kids. Squirrels. It's nice to have a lot of different Yeah, I shoot targets. an all recurve then. It was all recurve oh. back then. So. Wow. Um, so kind of we are talking about, we talked about Matt's first bow, a little fiberglass one, but what, and like the when you got him. But what was your first bow? My parents bought me a fiberglass bow also for Christmas. And uh, that's probably the first. They bought me some littler bows, but mm-hmm. the first one I really remember was I was probably – third or fourth grade and but I shot a lot my brother Kelly he was like my uh, hero with me he and mm-hmm. I just was adventurous and we'd yeah. always take off and go out in the fields and hunt and he had a bow and I had one and we'd spend hours and hours just out chasing anything and everything mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, that was my first bow it wasn't a hunting bow by the mm-hmm. just a yeah bow. yeah um would do, have you ever hunted like with a rifle, or do you just pri- primarily bow hunt? When I was a kid, there was I was come from a big family. There was mm-hmm. nine boys and three oh, girls, and whoa. we hunted. Uh, we put meat in the freezer. We'd all go out and hunt deer and elk and uh, fish, and we'd we'd fill our freezer for the summer. And mm-hmm. so we hunted with rifles, but <coughs> but I enjoyed the bow and arrow hunting. Mm-hmm. And after I left, I still loved it, and so bow and arrow became my weapon of choice yeah How about you matt um so i tried a rifle when i was younger <laughs> <laughs> um we went on a i remember this hunt it was, i think i was 11 10 or 11 right. actually i got a story before that one i think i was 10 and we went out coyote hunting and uh <laughs> i had a lever action 22 and um my dad is first time i'm coyote hunting it, or ever done it and he calls in this coyote and i mean talk about scared out of my mind this this thing just comes barreling in and i just remember pulling up i can guarantee i didn't aim i pointed at it um i shoot and i just started ejecting all the shells with the lever action i just i just started ejecting them and uh my dad comes over did you get them i go i have no idea but i'm out of i'm out of ammo and he looks on the ground there's all this live ammo in the ground you only shot once. <laughs> so, <laughs> shot. so that was that time. And then um, I drew a white tail tag and, and we went down hunting. And uh, 
there's this really big buck I I, I vaguely remember, but it's a big buck, and um and uh here I took a couple shots at it with the rifle, and um I decided you know I'm I could I didn't hit it I was so far off I said you know. <laughs> This isn't for me. I'm just gonna miss with a bow if I'm gonna with something. <laughs> so I, I quit right there. I never killed anything with a rifle, and I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been around rifles. Yeah. I know how to shoot them really well, but I just. Uh, yeah, he's never I'm, killed a big game animal with a rifle. No, wow, mm-hmm. he's always hunting with a bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I have nothing against rifles. I just, I really enjoy getting close, and I love the archery um, yeah. aspect. And if I don't get something, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, but I do like to get stuff. yeah that's not an uncommon thing i've heard that from a lot of guides over the years that hunters get excited and they just start working their bolt and they forget to shoot yeah you know they either shoot and miss or they shoot and hit the animal and they just start working the bolt no bob i was 10 (laughs) (laughs) i'd heard that that a lot but that was the first time (laughs) i ever experienced yeah but (laughs) matt you haven't matured or grown mentally at all since the age of 10 so So i'm sure if i got a rifle i'd do the same thing (laughs) (laughs) if you pointed in the right direction (laughs) (laughs) yeah like why is it so far from me (laughs) i can't reach it (laughs) but okay so obviously um archery and like the bow hunting like equipment has come a long way Mm -hmm. from especially from the very beginning um so randy could probably answer this better than you matt but what do you think is like the most significant change like evolution of like the bow hunting equipment that's helps like like, help be more accurate and yeah the range finder yeah, that's what Tom said. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. that's uh, the biggest asset to hunting is probably binoculars mm-hmm. and spotting scope. But the biggest asset to accuracy with bows is definitely the rangefinder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being off, especially when you're shooting not real fast. You know, the older bows when you maybe were shooting 200 feet a second or 180 or whatever. If you were off three to five yards, that's pretty significant. It's, yeah, you yeah. could miss, miss real easy. Yeah. 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 No, I know because with my short draw, that's about all I can get. <laughs> Speed. Exactly. That's <laughs> true. Those Fisher Price bows are getting better, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, what are you doing? It sounds like you got a lollipop going. I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, can I have one? No, <laughs> I don't have a lollipop. Oh. <laughs> but, okay. So, how often do you guys practice to be like effective with your bow because i know my mm. dad practices a lot before a hunt kind of every once in a while on the mm. off season but how often do each of you practice before i practice probably four or five times a week i'll shoot maybe 30 arrows a day or four or five times a week all like all the time even on the off season. usually all the time yeah. wow you're just killing it that's probably why you're such a good bow hunter <laughs> yeah i i mean i think practice is very very important but um I usually um, I do a lot of blind bell shooting when I can, and so. Why don't you with say what that means yeah. for people? So you hunt s- blind what? <laughs> Any animal that's blind helps, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no uh, blind bell shooting. I just stand in front of a like cause with kids, and you know my life's been real busy these last um, this last decade. I I don't get time, and I don't have a big backyard, so I don't get time to go to a range or something like that. So I go in my garage and I put a target on top of like my workbench, and I'll just um, I'll shoot about. Just I'm, I'm, fire your bow a couple <laughs> times. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll just pull back and I'll close my eyes and I'll just um, 
let the shot go off and it just it that repetition of the form and everything it's like muscle memory so that when you get in a shot opportunity that all comes together so mm-hmm. i i'm not saying to just do that but i just don't get the opportunity to go out so i i, I do that to keep my form my muscle fatigue you know so i don't get muscle fatigue out there so mm-hmm. um it's just something i do but i i as if I have a hunt coming up, as I get closer, I'll shoot more. Yeah. But off season, I'm I try to get in ten shots a week. I'll just go in the garage and yeah, you know, just uh, so probably not enough. I, I need to do a lot more, but uh, I've just been busy with that. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Form is a big part of that. I and mean, once your yeah. bow's dialed in, it's not that you need to be recalibrating. It's just all about your shooting. Right? Yeah, yeah. You were kind of saying we paused it for a little bit. You were saying you remember like the first hunting bow you got. Yeah, okay, so the first, um, I'll call it an, an adult blow, was a strato, a PSE strato flight. Um, I think I had to been 12, probably. That wasn't an adult blow. Well, I mean, okay. yeah. Okay, well, I thought it was. <laughs> it was you made you. it sound like I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it was, uh, okay, so it probably wasn't, but I thought it was. But um, it, it wasn't was, the fiberglass bone. No, anymore. it wasn't. It was uh, one of those CF risers or whatever, and um, it was like yeah. a firefight. And it, it was uh, a good bow. It yeah. was, yeah. I shot. I mean, I shot my first big game animals with it, and um, it was a great bow. And uh, that, it's amazing because I did a lot of recurve stuff prior to that. Um, and you were talking about the transition and equipment and everything. It's amazing just seeing the bows <laughs> where they've come. And uh, but yeah, the straddle fight that was my my first. <laughs> Bo, I could shoot hunt the game with. Yeah. He, he was winning tournaments with that stuff, and wow. I didn't Pete Shipley say, "See you shooting that?" And said, "I'm going to get you into a, a big bow." <laughs> he probably did. I like Pete, and I would uh, joke around with yeah. each other. Yeah. So, how long have you guys known him? Oh, I've known him since I was knee high to him. Probably yeah. we used to go in the so lo- like like two years ago. Two years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jennifer. Sorry. <laughs> just full of good jokes yeah. today. Um, uh, so. Known him since about the mid to early 70s. So. Yeah, Dad's known him a long time. I, Dad used to take me in their pro shop off of, I think it was Flowing Wells. They had a little pro shop there, and um, I used to love going in there. Yeah, so. first one, I, I'm not sure if the first one was off Flowing Wells or not, but it, his first location. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's a long time ago, but. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, so I asked a lot of these questions to Tom, so it's cool. Like you and Tom had the same answer with that. The most like effective update and stuff was the rangefinder. Um, so a lot of these questions are very similar to what I asked him. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're word for word. I'm pretty sure Dad copied and pasted them and sent them to me. But um, so obviously bow hunting and like you said matt you don't always get an animal and a lot of times you come home empty-handed yeah so um like what is kind of if you can like make one up like your average success rate and then how do you like deal with when you come home empty-handed with all the new equipment and everything and and spend a lot of time out there i'd probably say success probably close to 70 percent of the time but it didn't used to be that way mm. but uh yeah um, the way it is nowadays okay just cut him off it's fine <laughs> no i was gonna add <laughs> have some respect for your father <laughs> <laughs> um adding on what you're saying i <clears throat> i don't know a number on that but like like i blink a lot of over-the-counter tags here deer tags i'll say mm-hmm. you know i i don't always shoot a deer every year um mainly because um 
I think the equipment has become so efficient that it's I think it, it's made everybody a better hunter and so therefore you trophy hunt a little more you know yeah. you're looking for a special animal an older animal um, um bigger animal and so uh that that's kind of hard to say on I would say on draw Ooh. tags our success is I think you're right I think on draw tags the success is probably up there in 70 percent there's a with mm. with the equipment we have and everything um when we don't fill a tag um you know it it hurts but it it's it's all about the adventure. We had a good time moving on. Yeah. And, uh, when, when we don't fill tags, we've usually passed up a pretty fair amount of animals. That young, just, your, yeah, yeah. younger animals, animals yeah. that uh, we could have harvested. Which, anyways, yeah. Which one? No, I think um, I think I'm going to go on a whole different thing. I, that's one thing I, anti-hunters like don't understand that. You know, that was a question. Oh. Look at you. You're so smart. <laughs> he hides it so well. Oh, no. don't accuse me of being <laughs> smart. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but like anti-hunters don't understand that uh, trophy hunting is such a, a good thing for the animals in general. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you would think they'd be on our side because we are we are going after the oldest wisest biggest animals out there that are very hard to get yeah i mean with all the stuff we have we could go out and shoot an animal i mean we can fill our tag i mean it's i'm not trying to sound arrogant as hunters but i mean there there's so many inexperienced animals that are one two years old that yeah it's not hard to go shoot the little dumb animal on the side of the road right and so we we let those ones grow up and they become more mature wiser whatever and so that's why it lowers our success because we're hunting specific animals and, and you would think that they would encourage that and go, Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. The animal that most likely is going to die in a few years of old age or, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's more susceptible to predators and, um, and here they get on us for trophy hunting. It, may, it doesn't make sense to me. Like yeah. I, I would think they would be on board and go good for you guys. I'm glad you're hunting the older generation of animals yeah. let the young ones grow up and, and yeah a lot of times past their breeding age and you Correct. know in decline exactly. and that sort of thing. i was talking about matt at that point but um <laughs> we can no, edit these jokes no, but out you, right but you're right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up the same point we've talked about it several times on the podcast in the past and it's yeah. you know when people say well you're a trophy hunter a lot of times i think they figure a trophy hunter equals po- like a poacher Correct. cut the head off yeah. mm-hmm. and leave the meat yeah. But that's that's poaching. That's illegal. If you're a trophy yep. hunter, you're it's trying to you're taking the yeah. biggest, most mature animal you can. You're keeping the meat. You're enjoying the meat. You the whole package deal We're, on it. Yeah. But it's like you're exactly right. You can shoot the curious one and a half year old that's sitting there staring at you at 20 yards yeah. from just about every species of animal very easily. So you're making it harder on yourself to target one animal, the biggest, wisest one yeah. usually that you can find because he survived you know, six to 10 hunting seasons. And I'm not knocking somebody who wants to go out and especially, you know, our kids or whatever that, that does shoot that they have a tag. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. all, I'm, I just, I'm saying as you progress and get better at what Mm. you do and, um, yeah. So anyways, archery is a evolution Mm. for the individual. I mean, you start out as a young kid and you have some success and then as you mature with it, you know, you uh, fill your tags and then you want to do get something a little bit bigger and better and mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. and as you get older you just go to your trophy hunting and you don't get near as many shots when you're trophy hunting you have to be um still happy to come home empty-handed yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's correct yeah and, and then, to enjoy the experience 
exactly. Yeah. 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 Not just the shot. In the but I do like the way Matt, Matt made it sound like, you know, he was just saying that he's not belittling people that just want to shoot regular stuff. But what right. I actually, what I heard was... I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. That's what I heard. Really? Yeah. People know me. Yeah, that's... Well, I'm very happy for this you. This is how I came across to me. I'm very important. Uh, <laughs> I have many leather-bound books. Bob Griego comes to my house my sometimes. Smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Anchorman. Sorry, uh, I had to use that one. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Classic. but it definitely is something how anti-hunters see us, and even just non-hunters. Um, <clears throat> I was in. I have, I don't. I definitely want to do a pod- podcast on this topic because we can talk about it for way more than five yeah. minutes, and it's. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's very important to like talk about it for a long time so people can understand it and see different points of view on it. Right. Um, but I was in Washington, D.C., and someone brought up hunting. We were there for a government trip, so the Second Amendment got brought up a lot. And someone brought up hunting. It was my friends from school, so they knew I was a hunter and stuff. And my friend said, I don't have a problem with hunting. I just have a problem with trophy hunting. And I was like, okay, and here's why you right. shouldn't have a problem with that. And so I explained it. <clears throat> and then I was explaining, like, it's not different than regular hunting, but it's, I mean, it is, we shoot the biggest and we work harder and old animals and the wise, it's harder to hunt trophy animals, but also it's the trophy in Africa. That's when people get really mad. And I was like, I was telling her, that's what they said. She said, it was yeah. The and trophy. so when I explained kind of like North American trophy hunting, she's like, yeah, it's just in Africa. And I was like, the only difference in African animals is they look prettier to you. They've been humanized to you in movies and things like that. Right. And so I'm like, if I go and I shoot a warthog, you're not going to care. If right. I go and I shoot a lion, you're going to like be really right. mad about it. And there's no difference in the animals I just killed. The only difference is in appearance. And I think that also has a big effect on how people view hunters is they've been humanized in their minds where this <clears> is the <throat> cute lion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they are. They're beautiful. That's why we like right. want to hunt them. But... They will go out and kill all the other animals. So, like, I think that's also a problem. They've been humanized in people's minds, and they just don't view them yeah, the same. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think it'd be neat to do a podcast on that or an interview or something. Yeah, and I want to have some, like, hunters on it, and it's um, also one of my anti-hunting friends. Because, not anti, but not Well, and, and on their behalf, I mean, they, they're not educated on it yeah. or understand it. And so I could see where they get educated by an anti-hunter of – why it's bad boo hoo hoo these hunters are just evil people and they're just killing mm-hmm. things and um so i do think that's like what you did you're just educating them and, and <clears> showing <throat> them the and luckily like they're willing to listen and they're willing to hear my side of it mm-hmm. and like i said they're my friends so they know like what i do they know i eat the meat they know i do all this stuff and so when i told them everything and like explained it they're like i never heard that side of it before Good. And they've only heard, like, the anti-hunting side of it. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that side, they're like, that makes so much more sense. And I got a hate comment recently from someone. Oh, no. Um, it was in Spanish, so my my friend had to translate it for oh, me. Oh, that was Timmy. <laughs> but it was very, it was very, very oh, mean. Timmy. And I was, it made me mad, but. Um, yeah. Block, delete. I did. I blocked him. Mm-hmm. And I deleted him. But, like, I was like. And he said something about us causing extinction. And I was like, you have no clue what you're talking about. You know, it's so sad because, you know, the world we live in today, there's so many kids that are tied up into the cities. They never get out of their houses. They get to the malls. They have no world idea there's a world outside of the city. And and it's a shame. But uh, uh, it's everything they hear is on TV and they, Mm -hmm. you know, or through their... uh, 
their phones or their boards but uh, they get so much bad information they do it's yeah. i mean the narrative that the media puts out there is yeah. going to fit their narrative and they don't get educated on the other side of it um mm. so anyways yes that's um, a good segue though um yeah. and you're right and i will Randy. definitely talk about that a lot yeah more. go ahead go ahead jen you want to bring up the topic <coughs> and then i have an audio clip i want to play but go ahead yeah yeah but it's just like about the anti-hunting thing real quick it's nice to my friends, like, they're young and they grow up this way, but they grow up around, like, through me in high school, and they have a different perspective because I've, like, showed them, but not in a way where I'm, like, making them feel guilty for supporting, like, something. It's, like, I'm just trying to educate you yeah. on yeah. this is what mm. we do, and if you're against if you're willing to listen to me and you're still against it, I have, like, nothing, like, right. you have made your own opinion, you have the education, like, you know the things that and I'm telling you. And that's the best you. way to approach that is, um, yeah. I mean, and it's hard not to, it's hard to bottle up your... Mm-hmm. being mad at they don't understand but the best way is just calmly like you put yeah. it and like as long as they're willing yeah. to listen you have your own opinion you have like your right to your opinion i don't have right. the right to control you on that but anyway like i said we can talk we can yep. talk about this for yeah, hours moving on. uh so obviously you guys are father and son and you do a lot of hunting together so um how has that kind of like affected your relationship and I'm assuming making you stronger considering you're both here talking about it. But so how has hunting kind of helped you guys and like affected your relationship together? Oh, I, so before, yeah. before you answer, I do want to play the audio from Matt. You shot, how old were you when you shot the state record Bighorn in New Mexico? Well, I mean, I sound like I'm 12 in that audio. <laughs> I didn't ask what your but. mental age was. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for biological age. Um, I think I was 25, I think. Um Pretty close. That, Probably pretty close. Right mid- slam when you was 26. Well, well so what year yeah. does that say on the video? Um, I had a genius. 2000. It was 2007. But we're going to go with Matt's 12 in this video because it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it wasn't 2007. I shot no, that. No, it wasn't. Round. It was no, like it wasn't. 03, I think, or 04. Anyways. You yeah. finished. You when so I fin- maybe you, I finished you, my slam in 05. It had to be 2002 or 2003. You, you killed your. I got my desert, desert no and then the next year right. you got the... Because I did my whole slam in under uh, two years. Yeah. Um, wow. because I drew the Rocky, and then I took all my funds and money when I really... I mean, uh, you know, as you know, it's kind of expensive to go do the Norton Cheap, and uh, right. I really wanted to do that. That was uh, something I really wanted to try to do, and uh, so I was able to get it done, and I think it was less than two years. I think it was like... Yeah, a, it was a yeah, short time. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play the audio from this. This is... Um, Randy, you're filming. This is Matt um, when he's bow hunting for Rocky Mountain Bighorn in New Mexico. Yeah. He's down. <laughs> Congratulations, man. We got him. We did it, Dan. <laughs> we did it. Give me a hug. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, Dan. Yeah. What the heck of a round, man? Oh, we did it. We waited. We're... Oh, I got to calm down. We just, we've been watching this ram. We've been That's so pumped up. We haven't been able to sleep at night. And now we just we got in front of these rams. We let him feed right up to us. He was 45 yards. I shot. He's a little, <laughs> a little bit back, but man. Oh, I'm so we did it, Dad. Get another hug. Put the camera up. Oh, oh I'm so excited, Dad. Oh boy, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's let's, oh, um, let's, let's go work see our way over here. Just follow me. Oh, beautiful ram. Beautiful ram. He's huge! He is huge! Woo! Get down here, Dad! Wow, it is pretty ram. 
15 over 15 inch bases. Over 15? Oh my gosh. This may be a new state record. Well, we're here on the Ram. Um, I've calmed down a little bit, but not a lot. Um, we're so excited right now. We've just been snapping off pictures, but again, like I said, we came in here uh, with Rick Martin and uh, he showed us in this area and um, we found this Ram a couple days ago. Yesterday we tried getting on it, didn't work. He chased off another ram in this meadow and the rest of the sheep fed, uh, the rest of the rams fed right up by us. We could have shot a couple nice ones at about 20 yards. We just didn't, we wanted to get this ram and uh, we were very fortunate. Um, I took this one with the PSE Nitro. This is what I took my desert sheep last year with. Been a very good bow to me. Um, uh, real excited about it. As you can see, it's really long. We just kind of measured it and we hope we're right, but we're coming up with about 44 inches on the long side. So if he's got that and 15 inch bases, uh, I'm one happy camper. <laughs> that brings back good memories. That, that was, was awesome. So much fun. That was uh, fun. Well, but that's... when was the last time you saw people have such a bonding experience over a video game or oh, I know. on their phone? <laughs> well said. <laughs> oh, no, there's some YouTube clips of kids throwing their phone at their computer, <laughs> shattering the TV. <laughs> But anyway, so Jennifer started that with asking about your guys' relationship and how the outdoors has impacted that. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, Randy, when mm. you started taking your, your kids hunting and yeah, took you Matt out there? Yeah, uh, like we said before, like Matt got his first bow when he was about 10, and we started hunting, and he was he was like my shadow. I mean, he, he and I went everywhere, and I mean, it, it was so much fun uh, watching him learn, and, and every time I go out, I learn along with it. It just never ends but uh like i said he was about like my shadow but then when he got into his probably mid-20s uh he started chasing his own shadow and he he's done a good job of it and now he's in this later age i think i'm chasing his shadow so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so hard. it's been a real good progression so awesome. that uh yeah but we've we've really gotten close through it all uh just unbelievable memories well it's amazing like and maybe I'm going the wrong way with this, but um, when you get out there, when Dad and I are out there, I mean, especially when you get in places, now that we're in a technology era or whatever, you're mm. out there and there's nothing to distract you from bonding with each other. Yeah. I and mean, it's about you and your dad or whoever you're with. Uh, you're almost, not in a bad way, you're forced to sit there, communicate, talk. And I mean, we, you know, we developed our, like you said, I mean, I've, I, well, I owe all my success to my dad. I am. I'm not too proud to admit Preach. that. He, I, I wouldn't, the success I have had, I, I wouldn't have it without him. And, um, and, but as far as us bonding, I mean, it's just been amazing to go out, get away from it all. Even going back in the late eighties, early nineties, I mean, getting away from the city, going out there, communicating, uh, getting to know each other even better. I mean, there's a lot of kids today that aren't real close with their parents. I mean, they don't mm. communicate and talk. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, but yeah, we've, yeah, we've become pretty good buddies through the years. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little. I mean, <clears throat> you did talk about... As long as, as long as it goes my way, we're good. <laughs> yeah. You did talk about, like, force, being forced to hang out with your father in oh, this I case. Oh, I know. I can only imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, mom. unless unless you're mean, you take a nap the whole time you're supposed to be with him. <laughs> then he has yeah. Silas and he gets to talk to him. So. And most of my hunts with Jennifer are basically by myself because I'll say, did you see... 
Oh, she's asleep. She's <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Oh, never mind. She's sleeping. But hey, at least I'm being quiet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There are a lot of things we enjoy together. But and I'm sure that you guys, yes. it's just, a, it's a different experience out there, especially when you're really in the wilderness. You know, it's one mm-hmm. thing to drive in and get out of your pickup truck and pack in a couple miles. And you know, you're going to get back out and go home or go to camp that night. But when you're up in a backpack situation and you mm-hmm. got flown in by something and you're really mm-hmm. alone, it's... Yeah. To me, it's a magical deal. It's it God's is. outdoors, and you're you out there, against, and yeah. you just feel very humbled. It's a special, yeah. special thing. It's you against the world at that point. Yeah. 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 Like, once-in-a-lifetime memories up there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. always so much fun. And, like, my dad's obviously been a very <clears throat> kind of pretty inappropriate person. He, his, <laughs> what does that mean? In, 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 like, in sense of your jokes. Your jokes aren't always... I don't always, know if I'd say inappropriate, I resemble that. But <laughs> You know, they're not always, an, they're funny. Uh, well, that's questionable. On, that is but. true. Depending on the per, the audience. If, if it's my friend Michaela, she laughs at every single joke he Michaela says. Michaela may be the best audience Which ever. is why she's invited back to the house a lot. But, um, no, but once we started my sheep hunts, we were with the Taps and Cooper, and they are, they, they're like, awesome. They're so funny, and they're so much fun. But ever since that first sheep hunt, my dad's like, I am set free. And now he just says his jokes. And it's almost like that. Like, he's like, all right, they're being inappropriate. So can I. Like, let's go. <laughs> and so whenever he says something, like, and my, my mom's like, Bob. And I'm like, mom, I spent like a week with him on the mountain. Like, I've heard it all. She's like, yeah, true. But <laughs> I will say it is so much fun hunting with you, Bob. <laughs> it's always, you're on your toes the whole time. And he, you have to end with. The joke. I mean, I could say the funniest thing I've ever said in my life, and I really think it at the moment, and then Bob has to one-up it somehow. <laughs> but he just, like, it, naturally it's, does. It's fun with these two because it's never a dull moment. <laughs> yeah, Matt and my dad. I remember yeah. on my, like, when I um, flooded the Kofas, um, <laughs> the first day I got there before the whole flooding event happened, um, I it was, like, I don't know, like, four in the morning, and we had driven up from home and we drove up there and i'm sitting there and i'm tired i'd slept the whole way but i'm still tired yeah and i was like getting my boots on (laughs) and i'm sitting there and matt goes you know jen we're just gonna strap you on the back of the truck and walk down there it is pretty cold but it's okay because you'll make it like 10 degrees uglier and i was like (laughs) (laughs) i was like gee never heard that joke before matt like okay we got to give timmy credit timmy came up with that joke you're giving timmy credit for that joke i'm giving him him the credit on the podcast it's official he came up with a joke and i stole it because he Uh, said it we were in florida hunting no 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 no. he said it when you guys were in canada maybe we were fishing either way you were fishing in canada it was good and it was funny i said that's great timmy that's my joke he's like oh it was my joke i said well not when we get home. I'll say it before you do. And sure enough, I threw it out to Jennifer and David and claimed it as mine. And See, I told you you should keep them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got there that morning and in the span of like 15 minutes, Matt had said the three jokes my dad taught him to tell me <laughs> like when I got there. And I was like, I knew, I'm like, I've heard that joke so many times. Timmy invented it. I'm like, I knew Matt didn't come up with that joke, especially oh, it's Matt. So. Ouch. But then you said something else. I was like, I'll all right. You, the other thing was. Well, there was three jokes. I know one of them was. Well, one of them was the thing I started doing on forensic files. Because all these people do is watch forensic files. And yeah, all these murders and reason. stuff. And, and you know, they, Carol and Jennifer take notes about how to dispose <laughs> of bodies and how to get rid of evidence. And <laughs> I'm like, Carol, I'm getting nervous here. But, um. There was something on there about some inappropriate behavior from some guy to a woman. 
And I was across the room and I yelled, yeah. And it was, and Carol got mad at me. And I was like, it was just a joke, you know. And anyway, so Timmy started copying that joke. And then we were up on the RO on an elk hunt. And um, <laughs> I, Troy, who is um, Corey, Pritchard's. Corey Pritchard's cousin, was talking about the mountain lions and this and that. And he said, yeah, well, actually, right now it's the breeding season. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know him. And he just kind of went. <laughs> yeah okay well uh and, and my whole family just gave me the crickets they didn't respond at all and like that was so awkward and i was like i thought i enjoyed it that's all it matters <laughs> I enjoyed it. it sounds funny but i don't get it still <laughs> <laughs> but matt immediately stole that joke and I he did. used it as soon as as soon as jennifer got there he's like yeah and i think that they might be in the breeding season right now yeah <laughs> oh my there Jennifer's was some other like, joke but jennifer goes uh Dad, did you teach him all your jokes in the first day that you were here? <laughs> <laughs> yep, you did. And then, but he's still like the most proud of this joke. So we're sitting on top of the mountain. I was taking another nap. Um, we ate our this lunch. This is on your sheep hunt. Yeah, on my sheep hunt. We ate our lunch. And we had to, all right, well, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. So he kind of walks over. We're at the top of this hill. He kind of just walks over a little bit. And like goes pee. And I throw, a, I was trying to throw rocks at him to try and hit and of him. Of course, I'm facing away from you. I'm about, I don't know, five, ten yards away because, but it's a pretty steep point. I was going to walk off and we were, thought there might be sheep around there. I didn't want him to see us. So, yeah. So I, I tried to hit him with rocks, but I'm not that coordinated. I play tennis. So That's I. That's kind of love I get. I'm just trying to relieve myself and get rocks thrown at me by my daughter, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so I throw it, but I missed low and I like, it went right between his legs and it, it rolls hits, down the hill. It hits the ground, and he goes, oh, can you sound darn as bad as I thought? Is that what you said? I said, oh, look, I passed a kidney stone. <laughs> Boy, they make, they make it out like these are so much more painful than that was. I barely even noticed. And, and then Matt just lost it. He laughed so hard at that one. Oh, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> you thought that was so it funny. Was funny. It was, and my dad is unbelievably quick. Like, I don't... Like your brain must move at an insane rate because you'll do something. And Matt and I, we were kind of talking about this when we were walking around. You were showing them the animals. We're like, we think of things after the fact. I'm like, that would have been really, really fun to do. But you do it in the moment. And we're like, how are you that quick? Like, how do you know right then and there? This is the funniest thing I could say right now. And you just say it. There are a lot of voices that live in my head, Jennifer. (laughs) And I just let one of them out every once in a while. Otherwise, they just kind of sit in there and just talk to each other yeah matt was saying he should have showed up in a tuxedo today i'm like that would have been really funny but he thought of it after he was already here <laughs> like uh, stepbrothers yeah yeah uh. um okay well um like again i talked about this with tom and he doesn't train much for his sheep for his hunts kind of in general and i trained a lot for my sheep hunt obviously yeah. For many reasons. Yeah. Um, my dad trains yeah. a lot for his hunts. So how do you guys, um, Randy, again, you can go first, you know, because you're cooler than Matt, um, <laughs> like get ready and train for your hunts? I have a hike that I do. It's about a little over a three-mile hike, and I do it oh, anywhere from two to three times, three to four times a week. And it's you're just killing the game over there. Up, pretty up yeah. and down. It's, it's, That's awesome. It gets my heart rate up, and, mm-hmm. and I usually try to do that before the hunts. Nice. You had some you had some coronary issues, right? Did you have a you had a bypass or a stent? No, I had five stents put in my heart. Oh, yeah, my so and as active as you are, what did you notice with that? That there was something going on? Well, I noticed that my legs were strong and my breathing wasn't good, and uh, and 
So anyhow, I, I told Matt one day, I said, look, let's go out to the Eagle Tails and let's backpack into this water hole. I said, something wrong. I was supposed to go with Jack Frost on a sheep hunt down to Camar- uh, uh, Carmen Island. Carmen Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, two days from then. And uh, so anyhow, we went out there and I didn't walk 150 yards and all of a sudden, man, I just got this gray feeling. And I said, go ahead, Matt, I'm going to hang out here. And so I just hiked around. Well, the next morning I told my wife, I said, yeah, I need to go into the hospital and see what's going on. She took me into a clinic, and they wanted to take me in an ambulance across the street. <laughs> and I, wow. says, I said, no, I'll walk. And I went in there. But You walked I there, over? I walked over for three days. I was there three days. I told them the first day, I said, look, I need to get this over. i got to be on a sheep hunt tomorrow. <laughs> and they said, you're not going anywhere. And three days later, I had five stints put in my heart. So. Wow. But no wow. chest pain, right? No chest pain. No, I had no chest pain. Uh, after it was done, I went hiking. Uh, once I got it done, and man, I my wind was good and my legs were weak. <laughs> so it was amazing, the difference. Well, the legs will come back, but... Uh, oh, yeah. He does a good job of uh, staying on top of that, of <coughs> keeping the legs moving, not mm-hmm. doing that hike. Yeah. I think that hike's perfect for you. Yeah. yeah. So. That's good. Well, actually, Jennifer did pretty well on her sheep hunt, too, coming down the, the mountains in a hurry. We had to get after that ram. Oh yeah, running Jeff. down the mountains and well, and is, it, is this a compliment? Going, so, yeah, don't worry, we're, we're yeah. recording it. <laughs> I was <laughs> real impressed. One thing about Jennifer is like, she pushes way more than what her body's telling her she's got. I mean, mm-hmm. you were just sitting there saying, "No, I'm fine, I'm fine," and Bob and I are looking at each other like, you know, you could see some strain on her, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it was real important. I mean, unfortunately, it was one of those situations we were we were running low on time and. Mm-hmm. Um, and she pushed through. I mean, we were getting concerned. Just you know, we don't want you to overdo it. And here, yeah. and you were good about it. you pulled her off to the side. You know, just yeah. you know, talk the, to her. And uh, but yeah, it was pretty amazing. That was impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the big keys to successful big game hunting is pushing yourself. Yeah, being able to crank it into gear as far even as you can. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. seems like it's so often that you've got to make a run at the end. You've got to push yep. yourself to beyond what you're usually training yourself at to get up a hill to get across a river to get the wind right or whatever it yep. seems like there's always this this pressure this run this exertion yeah. and then you get your opportunity and if you don't get there in that amount of time a lot of times it's not there you, right you miss it. and so many people won't try it. Yeah. you know they'll get to that point and they say oh, i can't do that instead of i mean you got to make something happen <clears throat> yeah i mean what's amazing is that with your health issues and stuff that you're able to do that i mean yeah. i we can sit here and you know, a lot of us, if we really want to, we get off yeah. the couch and we can really, mm-hmm. really go train and get our bodies at its max. And here you are putting your body at its max with, with those issues. Um, but I, I always tell people, you know, um, going into a hunt, and, and I'm a hypocrite for saying this because I've gone into hunts where I'm way overweight. But I've been trying the last, I'd say the last five years of really maintaining it. It's so important to be light out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing if you can put your body at a good weight, take 20 pounds off your body. Well, when you put your 20 pound pack on, it's like just walking out there yeah. with mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, it, and, uh, it, it just makes the hunt a lot fun, more fun. And, um, uh, it makes it just better all around. It, it's hard. I think 90% of us fight with our weight and, um, yeah. stay, and just day to day life is, you know, hard to make that happen. But I think it's real important if somebody has hunts coming up, you just, really mentally prepare yourself and eat right and I, I think losing some weight is important being light sure-footed out there helps anyways and it is so important and, i think to have something on the calendar 
You know, yeah. if ever you're, yeah. you've got mm-hmm. two or three yeah. times that you know you're going to be going up the mountain carrying a pack, yeah. and you're going to have a point where you're going to have to run, and you're going to have to get in position, you train for it. Yeah. It's a great lifestyle. Otherwise, if you're just, if every day is the same, you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, and you just eat whatever you want to, you get out of shape, you get overweight, mm-hmm. you're not, you can't do those things. It's really a benefit to the outdoor experience well, look to be at, able to stay in shape. Look at your... um desert bob and i were on a desert hunt together this a long time ago and you had a really bad knee and mm-hmm. i mean i guarantee the stuff we went up even with two good knees was really hard and if you were overweight on that you would not have I mean, maybe i'm wrong i don't think we it would have been very difficult to get up some of that, that yeah there stuff. was the one day where we had to come back around the mountain after our correct one yeah. stock where we got 40 yards from the big ram yeah and yeah it just didn't work out but yeah that was there was a period of time there and that was that year was about when my knee hurt the worst, and it was yeah, tough um, to get around on those things. But he yeah. did get a partial knee replacement to go on my hunts. That's awesome. That was my deal. <laughs> yeah. You get your lungs in shape, I'll get my knee in shape, and I'm glad I did. Now it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I can do whatever. It's great. So really, it's thanks to me. <laughs> yeah, gee, thanks so much, Jen. <laughs> You're welcome. Glad it's amazing rewards from, <laughs> from <laughs> sacrificing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but it definitely. Because um, after my last sheep hunt, I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, hit the couch. My lung function dropped a lot. Oh, and so yeah. it also, like, getting in shape for that helps in many, many ways. That doesn't help everyone else. So, but now I'm going to try to hike the Grand Canyon in March. So, like, that's my oh, new wow. thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Are you going to do the rim to rim to rim? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know if you were, yeah. No, I, was, I wanted to do rim to rim, uh-huh. but that doesn't open until, like, mid-may gotcha and i didn't want to do it that the heat's late really tough like, on her she gets dehydrated yeah, yeah. yeah that's but one also of the things i was saying on her sheep hunt with you is it's not just that she that her lungs become an issue but if she's dehydrated she can get an intestinal obstruction right and it can be a real problem we don't know you never know on those hunts how many days it's going to be but yeah you know staying hydrated is a big part of it so the grand canyon we want to do before it gets hot in may that's yeah so and since the north rim you can hike rim to rim to rim whenever mm-hmm. you want but you can't hike rim to rim because you can't get a car to the north uh, oh, rim. Oh, okay. So it's, it's um, I want to say like 18 miles, so about six miles less than rim to rim, but mm-hmm. it is still, yeah, that's a lot. it's still that's like awesome. 18. Um, but it's kind of weird because it's not that hunting experience. It's not like you have to crank it into gear to mm-hmm. run to get that animal at the end. It's kind of just like whenever, but I know if my brothers are there, like it's going to be a race for me anyway. <laughs> but, you um, know, everything is goal driven. If you put mm-hmm. goals out in yep. front of you and you go for it, then that's yeah, a good way I to pattern your life. Less than exactly 12 right. hours. Yeah. So. Wow. Exactly right. And that's what's nice about her saying it on podcasts and to people that she's yeah. she's writing a check. <laughs> like Eddie Corona <laughs> told me. He's going to have to back it up. He told me like, <laughs> like you wouldn't always tell yourself you're going to do something, but once you tell other people, like that is when. Commit yourself. Yeah. yeah. So It puts pressure on yeah, you to, to I, make it happen. I wanted to do it last year because my dad, um, he and my mom hiked the Grand Canyon and they said there was a girl with CF who had a double lung transplant. But she couldn't finish it because she got dehydrated. And the second they told me that, it was right after my lung function was, like, at its highest before my new drug. And um, I was, like, hiking for my four sheep hunt. And I was like, I'm in shape. I could have done it if I had really tried. And when they told me that story, I was like, all right, then I'm going to do it. Like, if she couldn't do it, I'm going to do it. And um, I didn't tell anyone, though. I told, like, maybe a couple people because I didn't really, like, want to commit myself but then in June of this year, my friend did it for the second time, uh, second year row, and I was like, I want to do it so bad. So then I started telling people. So now, and it's like on the date on the calendar, I talked to the CF Foundation, and they're like, all right, we'll do it. Like, if you're going to do it, this is the date we'll do it. So now Sweet. it's like, 
really good. Very good. That's awesome. Very good. Outstanding. But, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is different. I would not be like have an animal to be like this. I'm going to be able to right. get enough shape so I can hike multiple days. And right. So it's a little different, but still 18 miles is a long time. So. It is, yeah. You'll yeah. do it. I know yeah. you will. You just have yeah. to get... And shape will do a lot of hiking next month up in Greer. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. wait, wait. Timmy's <laughs> going to beat you because he beats you at everything, and he's awesome. Well, it's because Timmy Thick's gone now, so <laughs> Timmy Thin, you know, he can do that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you look at Timmy, though, he gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning, leaves that here at 5.30 true. and does football. He trains oh, wow. a lot. Four or yeah. five days a week. And yeah. what was the last thing you did? Um, Tennis. I'm teasing you. Hey, you I got a varsity letter this year. Did you really? Did you? Yeah. Congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> It was I'd a D minus, but that's still a letter. Air five <laughs> across the table. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Teasing you there. You can't get that's a letter awesome. in tennis, yeah. Well, you can get a I said it was a D minus. That was like a grade. I got it. Yeah, I meant letter grade, Dad. Okay. Yeah, it, was, Jeez. Uh, it was pretty funny. I'll like turn that. your mic off. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, I own the equipment. <laughs> Doesn't <harsh>. matter. <laughs> <laughs> My name's on the thing. But you will be. I like it when she says, I'm so excited because that means. We go to Greer for the next month no, and we're no, hiking. No, no. Be so excited to go hiking. No, that's not true. Day. I'm excited to do it. I'm not excited to train to do but it. But you will train. It'll be great. Oh, yes, I will. Yeah. It, it won't be great, but it'll be training. Um, anyway, so uh, like we talked about, you guys have guided us on hunts and stuff. So how did you kind of turn from like being the hunter to guiding people? Just, just like the passion for mm-hmm. hunting kind of turned into that? So my dad, I grew up obviously – uh, under following my dad and he's you're not gonna draw the family tree again are you <laughs> <laughs> here's a sketch um so i watched mm-hmm. him guiding and i i got to go on a lot of his guided hunts mm-hmm. and um and that's kind of a, a broad thing because i mean just going out and helping people that you know is like guiding but you know yeah. not paid but dad mm-hmm. you know guided getting paid to do it when he was younger and i was younger and um so I got to watch that, and I just thought it was a neat thing. You know, wow, that um, something, you know, somebody's going to pay you to do something yeah. you love, and um, and you're offering something to them to yeah. help. And um, It's amazing what you learn out there, and you don't realize how much you know versus people that don't spend the time out there that you do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and what's neat is, I mean, with the guiding, I mean, a lot of the guys, um, like, like yourself, I mean, a lot of these guys are, they can do it on their own, but I mean, they're just hiring you to come out and basically be their assistant or, you know, just, Hey, I'm busy working. You go out and do this part of it. And we go out and try to do it together. I mean, a lot of the guys are self-sufficient hunters. They're just, you know, putting a little extra edge on. You yeah. Know, and the up. scouting and stuff is huge. Exactly. Knowledge yeah. of the area. And especially if you're trophy hunting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but no, the guiding has been, been fun. I actually, there was a point in my life that, um, you know, the economy went down and, um, I, I basically, we sold off all of our equipment or anything with our business. So I started guiding like for, I mean, it was all Mm -hmm. about the money. Um, and that sounds bad, but it was, I mean, that was my livelihood for a while, um, just supporting the family off of that. And, um, I do remember. You were like that when you hunted with me. You were like, have your hand out every half mile. Like, that's 20 o- bucks. Open the gates and put your hat out for tips. Absolutely. You know? I had a little change machine thing behind me. It doesn't me. change just, much. <laughs> I would stop midway up the trail, and you had to put yeah. a quarter in to keep me going. Yeah. Um, you like, no, mm, so, this looks like a really dangerous summit. <laughs> do you want the life-threatening way or the easy way? <laughs> but, but I felt oh, very yeah. fortunate that my dad had taught me to – 
get a PhD and I don't have a piece of paper that says it, but I had a PhD in hunting. I mean, it was kind of <laughs> nice that I learned something um, that I could help support my family on. And uh, yeah. so, and I'm very fortunate to have friends and people that were willing to hire me and, and spend time uh, with yeah, you. Yeah. Spend time. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so you're going to pay me to hang out with you. <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. But no, so guiding has been so much fun. I mean, I've met so many awesome people. I, I really haven't had, and Jennifer. Yeah. And, and, hey, and Jennifer. Well, <laughs> yes, because I'm beyond awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the thing about exactly guiding right. is you learn so many different, so much country, you mm-hmm. know, whether you're sheep guiding or elk, elk or antelope. Or yeah. Like, but the, this country you learn is incredible. Well, and it's a journey. Yeah. When did you start doing thing. You were working for um, Floyd Crank for, back in Yeah, for Floyd Yeah, I, I, I went to work. Uh, about 1984 with Floyd Crank with Air Viper Outfitters. And I, was, I, was, gonna, I was with him for 14 years. I was going to touch on something about that. Like, he started working with Floyd Crank back in the day, and um, most of his friends were guys that, I mean, some of them you guided back in the day, and now you are, like, very close with these people. Mm-hmm. He he. We have developed a lot of friendships just through yeah. guiding where you become... Mm-hmm. That's where I met really Jimmy good. Ryan and Tom Hoffman and Jack Frost yeah. and... I mean, without that, you think of your, your life where it would be today oh, if you yeah. didn't. I mean, it would be totally different. You know? yeah. So it was neat doing the yeah. A lot of contacts. Stuff. Just yeah. a, lot of, I, a lot of great people that I uh, help guide. Mm-hmm. and uh, Guiding bighorn sheep, a lot of those people were after their grand slam. It was yeah. the last thing that they did. And so it, yeah. it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say the toughest guy you guided was me for Havelina. I think I <laughs> emptied at You're least not far off. four quivers of arrows trying to shoot one. I mean, this sounds a little familiar. <laughs> sounds like all of Jennifer's. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, hunts. that was my biggest defeat. I never got him on one. No, actually, it was uh, our friend Marty Hendrickson and then Rick Benton, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, but you, I learned from all the shots I got that you got me. <laughs> so, but. But yeah, that's funny. Now, now I'm thinking of other things. I mean, Havelina hunting, that was like a world record animal to to me as a kid. I oh, mean, yeah. it didn't matter yeah. if there I mean, that yeah. meant the world just to get a Havelina and uh when I finally did, that was like I conquered Mount Everest. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. And uh yeah. I felt the same way about them initially. They're, I don't know. I think that when you're a little kid, they just seem like a prehistoric kind of a weird yeah. thing and they're attainable. I mean, they're not like some deal that seems like a grown-up mm-hmm. thing to go after a sheep or a moose. It's like they're around. We can yeah. go try to get one, and it's yeah. a realistic goal. It's a great yeah. place for new archers to start. And they're fun. I mean, even archers started that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And as you, when you're around them, their noises they make, chomping on the cactus, making mm-hmm. their noise. I mean, for a little kid, that's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when there's a group of them, you're like, "All right, shoot this one," and then you miss, and it's like, "Okay, turn around now, shoot this one." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of have like a whole. I really, I relied on really big herds yeah. to, to miss. I, mean, <laughs> I bet if you walked around the Oro Ranch, you'd find a bunch of broken arrows, arrows. and broadheads from yeah. the Griego people. <laughs> yeah. uh, when when uh, we took David up there, Chad Smith and I, when David was 10, um, we were on this javelina, and we were sneaking up after them through these boulders. And there was one that stopped and kind of was woofing at us. So we started woofing at it, you know, woof, woof, yeah. woof, woof. And David, Chad and I were both doing that as we were trying to move David around. And David's like, <laughs> he's laughing at us. And he's trying not to laugh out loud. I'm like, David, he's like, you guys sound so funny. He's like, shh, be quiet. You're going to spook him. And finally, he just broke out laughing so loud, they all ran away. I like, was I'm so sorry, online. but you guys sound like just total goofballs. 
That is hilarious. I was singing on mine. I'm pretty sure Chad told me to be quiet because I Yeah, you were. Singing. You were walking around singing. And like, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good times. Um, Special well, kids. Sorry, I didn't mean to. We didn't helmets. mean to. No, I didn't want to hear more about then. Randy. When you first started with this deal, you started mm. out for sheep. Was that what you were initially guiding for in Arizona? Yeah, I was guiding sheep with sheep Floyd. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, with Floyd, yeah. And that, I met Jimmy Ryan, and uh, he was after the world record with his bow, but. Uh, he he wound up killing what was the world record, but it got beat like two weeks later. Oh really? So, <laughs> so so he didn't get recognition for it. But uh, I'd never heard of the Super Slam until I met him, and he told oh. me that he was right on the the last end of a uh, oh, yeah. Super Slam. And so I thought about that for two years. And one day I went into my wife and I said, Bonnie, I think I want to chase the Super Slam. What do you think? And she said, She said, Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I if, think she if said I, ever, I wanted a new car. <laughs> <laughs> if she had known what was involved, I think she'd have thought real hard on that because it become a <laughs> it's a an real expensive proposition. Yeah. 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 Why don't you explain what that is? I don't think everybody that listens to Jennifer's uh, podcast. Back, back then, it was the North American Twenty Seven. There's twenty seven big game species. It was recognized by Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, mm-hmm. and it's one of every species mm-hmm. which makes a super slam. Uh, they shortly after that introduced the central barren ground caribou and then after that they Thule, had, I think, right? invented, uh, brought yeah, the tule out yeah. yeah so it's now 29 speaking of that my dad just got his well technically he got 28 because he's not getting a polar bear because you can't import those but his grizzly bear finished his north american I did not congratulations i didn't know that either Thank fantastic no, that, was, that was exciting a lot of uh, wow. wonderful hunts and memories and and what a way to end it on a bear like that that thing is also which is second biggest (laughs) archery grizzly bear yeah yeah thanks well you know what's neat about that i don't know if you mentioned but the world record was killed with a bow but it's a world record overall wow so yours will be number two overall i believe i'm not sure maybe i don't know i don't know if that's true for rifle or not i you, Whether either or not, it's still it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be real close. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you ought to look that up. I think you're going to be number two because. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, that's congratulations. Thanks. Mom. It all worked out, and it's the first I was time very I've ever been that. proud of you. Yeah, <laughs> now you sound like my family. I'm going to get all, get all emotional. Hey, I shouted you out. You're welcome. Thank you, Jen. No, it was wonderful. It all, um, it all just worked out. Had had the great opportunity, and you know, it's one of those things that. And we talked about practice before. I think they videotaped it, and it was maybe a little more than a half a second from where the animal turned and gave me the shot and mm-hmm. was able to get the arrow off on its way and, and hit the target. It's just, it seemed like it slowed down, honestly, for me when that came up. But mm-hmm. it'll be something you remember all your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it's on video, too, which is That's even better. Awesome. Yeah. That cool. yep. yeah. Shout out to Mark Gutsmiedel for that and um, <laughs> no, for uh, Brandon Hamilton. And, uh, Lance Kronberger and those guys, his outfit was uh, top-notch, and it was a tremendous experience. Those guys they are They kill awesome. a lot of really good grizzlies. Yeah. They do, and it's amazing yeah. how many there are. You know, and it's funny, people, we really haven't talked about my archer grizzly bear hunt on here much. Tom brought it up, but people kind of lose their minds these days over hunting grizzly bears. And bears in general. Bears in general and African animals yeah. and <laughs> lions, but that's their dementia. When we got back to... Unalakleet, and we were renting a one-bedroom house. The guy that rents it out to us said, asked if we got our bear, and he's a native there. And I told him, yeah, I got a bear with a bow and arrow. And he goes, good. The only good bear is a dead bear. 
And uh, he goes, that's the way I feel about it. Last year, a big grizzly bear broke into our house, you know, broke in through the glass door and went in there. And his wife and two daughters went up the steps to their bedroom and locked the door and got in the closet. And the bear tore up the kitchen and oh, wound up goodness. getting out of there. But the natives that live with these animals, they don't they're like very them. afraid their of numbers them. Are, and their numbers are way up. I mean, and, right. and a lot of that is contributed yeah. to... Um, management i mean hunting right. the boars and you know right exactly and that's and tom that's brought that up about the polar bears the boars feed on the cubs in Correct. the spring so yeah. if you take the big boars the population gets better and these guys that live up there they routinely shoot the bears and just leave them and which is sad because the natives yep. could sell the hide and they could sell right. the claws and the meat if they wanted to salvage it and instead they shoot them out of fear and protection for themselves mm-hmm. and their community and they shoot them and just leave them there yeah, but yep. the people who live in the big cities, like you were saying, Randy, have never no been idea. outdoors. They have no idea. Grizzly bears, there's a reason why they were hunted, you know, when we settled the West. Because they, they can be very aggressive. They kill livestock. They kill people. Yeah. They tear stuff up. And they can be a big problem. Yes. So. Yep. Well, in Canada, they're not even hunting them at this point, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. they I've never been in B.C. or Alberta. I don't think I've wound up, at least in the fall, that without having in grizzly encounters you know i mean you, you see them all the time yeah especially in the northwest territories where they haven't been hunted for years yes, exactly they routinely shoot several out of self-defense mm-hmm. each concession because they come in and claim the animal you shot or tear up the camp or come after the hunters come and right into camp yeah i have a picture in my office a series of pictures of this big grizzly bear coming after the horse that i rode in on and have it tied up to a tree it was on stan Whoa. simpson's place and I'd seen oh, that boy. bear running down this canyon. I was sitting up on this ridge with binoculars just looking, and I saw this moose come barreling down this drainage. And I'm like, man, that's, it's a big moose. He was over 65 inches, giant. Big bull. He comes running down, and I look, you know, a few yards behind him is this grizzly trying to get him. And the uh, bear got away, but two hours later, he winds up right down the hill below me. He's eating grass and drinking. Then he walks another 100 yards and smells the horse and stalks in on the horse and I had a radio and my guide was off with another hunter and I said, what's the, what's, what's the deal with the bears? If he attacks the horse, should I shoot him? And he said, you better shoot him unless you want to walk back 20 miles <laughs> to camp. But fortunately the bear didn't do that. Yeah. He, oh, he went man. off and uh, uh, was smart. He smelled enough human scent that he left. Okay. Well, um, my dad kind of ran off. I don't know where he went, but so like you were talking about Randy, you said you get to like know the land and see the land really well. And I was typing these questions up on my phone in the middle of class, and my friends took my phone and like, I want to write some questions down. And so um, they took my phone and they wrote questions down. Some of them were pretty funny, um, especially to hear from like a non-hunter standpoint. I was like, this is like kind of a stupid question to ask a hunter because you never ask this question. Um, but they, some of them were pretty funny to read. And one of them actually was a good question. It's something I never would have thought to ask you guys, but I thought if this is true, it should be a funny story. So, have any of you ever gotten lost? Because my friend who wrote the question <laughs> doesn't like has no sense of direction, and we were walking around DC, and she got lost. She would have gotten lost virtually everywhere she went if I wasn't there with her, because I kind of knew where we were going. And obviously, like when you go hunting, you yeah. have a good sense of direction. Yeah. And obviously, sometimes when you go hunting, you hike in in the light and hike out in yeah. the dark. And so, have you ever gotten lost? So, can I? Do you mind if I answer that? One? Okay. So, we were actually hunting javelina when I was really young down south and you mm-hmm. probably all remember this and we um 
we hunt all day and all of a sudden i mean we were you keep going further and further in you know and this is a real cut up canyons all over area mm. and we had um a guy from back east that we were helping i say we were helping he just kept stepping in front of me and taking my shots <laughs> but anyways <laughs> um he uh were it gets dark on us and which is normally and this is before gps and all that stuff and here all of a sudden the fog comes in and a oh. light rain slash it's like sleet it was really cold i mean it was probably 40 degrees out yeah, and the fog was just and it, thick it locked us in debt and but i mean surprisingly he he knew a lot of these canyons and i'm saying canyons are like ravines and i mean it you're you're walking as much as you can towards the direction you think and finally dad said i know we're i know we're right by it but you you cannot we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us and so he said look the safe thing to do i mean we're we're freezing and wet and everything he said we need to we need to hunker down i need to build you a fire i mean we were borderline freezing and so dad got you know he we carry stuff with us dad well dad taught me this i uh, carries all this stuff with us he gets a little fire going and it kind of knocks knocks that off the chill off of us and um he does a little loop around and he came comes back and he says i know we're we're right by the truck but somewhere but i mean we we literally cannot mm-hmm. see so so anyways long story short he said, we just need to hunker down, wait until morning, and we go to sleep as best we can, get up in the morning, and here, my Uncle Lance had come out to try to, we didn't come home that night, so my mom was worried, and uh, here, he's on the ridge, what, 200 yards from us. <laughs> I mean, but it, what was impressive was my dad's sense of um, directions. He knew we were right there somewhere, but that was from him hunting a lot in that area. But Mm -hmm. when you go into a foreign area that you don't, it is so crucial to pick up landmarks. Even as a, if you're, if if you're on a guided hunt, even go, you know, just landmarks, mountains, this and that. But yeah, you can get lost very easily out there. Yeah, I had, I had a, I actually had a compass on that. And I, I knew it. <laughs> no, <laughs> Don't tell him your tricks, Randy. But, Come I, on. but I was trying to. I knew our car was somewhere near, and I said, "You know, I probably shouldn't do this." But I said, "I'm going to go see if I can't find it." But I marked my way to where that truck, where I thought it was, and I didn't find it. So I marked my way back. But uh, but the next morning, yeah, they were <laughs> two hundred yards. We walked up to the truck, and my two brothers were sound asleep in it. <laughs> but, you know, on that, if we're talking about safety, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's been times we've slept out on the mountain before just to be a little safer. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. carry stuff to make it comfortable if we have to end up out on the mountain. Um, but it's... Uh, so that means your teddy bear and your comforter for you, Matt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, it's important to finally know when you're going to make a situation worse out there by... You can get hurt, especially in yeah. sheep country. Oh, yeah. You, know, yeah. you could get bluffed yeah. out and... Big time. Man, it, uh, bad stuff can yeah, happen. Especially yeah. if you're fogged in and can't see where you're Oh, on. that was... I mean, there was nothing... <coughs> like I said, this is non-GPS, all that stuff. So, um, but it's... Uh, but I, I bring so much stuff in my pack. I, I just plan on if, hey, if I'm going to get stuck out there, I want to be somewhat comfortable. And yeah, I so. mean, my pack is all down jackets, so, you know, it looks big, but it's <laughs> Jennifer's down. stuff is Pillows. all props for pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I learned early that you take everything you need. It's just like you're going to stay overnight. And yep. that's not very often I use it, but every once in a while you do. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring it up. That just happened on, on my bear, bear hunt. hunt yeah. So we... Got the bear, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was such a blessed evening. It was, the wind was perfect. As soon as I got the bear, the wind stopped, but there were no mosquitoes. It got cold. Wow. So 
I mean, before, the night before, when the wind died, we were just devoured by mosquitoes. They were everywhere. But the mosquitoes weren't there the whole time we were taking pictures and taking the bear apart and all that sort of stuff. It was just amazing. And the lighting was perfect for the pictures. And, and, the then, and then the fog pretty. started to just roll in. And by the time we were done, and, and Mark said it, he goes, I think we're going we're gonna to be screwed here. The, the yeah. fog's going gonna, gonna to sock us in. But, you know, we didn't know if a lot of times when the fog rolls in that time of day, it's there till noon. So, mm-hmm. and this was around 1130, 12 o'clock at night. And it doesn't so, get dark up there. Right. It's that. light 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. So we figured, well, we'll just start hiking. And Brandon had saved because he was texting all the time um, <laughs> with his inReach. So he had locations from where we texted oh. from. So we were going to kind of backtrack and go by, oh, wow. you know, the the point we were glassing from and then on our way back to camp. And we knew we were probably about five miles, five and a half miles maybe from camp, kind of linear distance. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it had taken us, it taken us two and a half hours. Wow, way, way to work with the whole analogies. They're very good, impressive. Good job, Jennifer. Thank we're, you. We're Put that down on your report I, card. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See when she's awake what she can do. It's so humbling. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. It had taken us two and a half hours to get there from our lookout point, And we figured, okay, well, we'll just head back. And he had the GPS coordinates. Well, now we're walking with packs, you know, heavy packs. Yeah. yeah. Not mine wasn't so much. I had some of their gear and stuff, and Brandon had the whole case. Yeah, you sound and, like me. And uh, <laughs> no, I was awake. <laughs> <laughs> I was carrying all my stuff. And you know, the day I learned to sleepwalk, you people are gonna have a rough time. <laughs> put, yeah. put the bat down, yeah. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> we're in an interview. Yeah. If she could sleep hunt, she could hunt twenty four seven. But <laughs> so we start walking back, and we're using this GPS. Well, we walked around the same knob three times i think and it took us seven hours to get back to camp and it was one of those deals you know we didn't have any landmarks and the gps was not on you know it it just Mm -hmm. we kind of walked around and we definitely took the long way and you know what it's like hunting there you're you're going through the tundra stuff and those Mm -hmm. where the terrain where it's boggy is difficult to get through and then you're going over mountains and down canyons and stuff like that it was it was a legit hike and then right when we get there you know we're exhausted because we've been up all day and as soon as we went to sleep, an hour later, the sun's out. It's boiling hot in the tent, you know. <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, <laughs> that's how it usually goes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I did want to ask you, Randy. You and I had talked about um, target panic or locking off target and stuff. Have you – and it's something I never had an issue with shooting until I got the, the new range-finding bow sight from Garmin. And the way mm-hmm. it works is you range where your 20-yard pin is, and then you have to lift your bow up to shoot further distances and I usually practice at further distances and it would get to where um, I used to come in lower the bow down until I was on the the pin I wanted to use and then shoot with that one and this one I'd hold it at 20 yards and have to lift my hand up my arm up to get on it and I started getting to where as soon as I got that the pin on there I would just hammer the release and I started locking off target and it became a significant issue for you. You were kind of, we talked I've, about that in December. I've gone throughout my life. I've gone through that, man. I I fight it and fight it. And when I finally break through, it's like somebody turns on a light <coughs> switch. And, it, and I shoot really well for quite a while. And then I'll start developing it again. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it's I fight with it all the time. You sent me a... a, a yeah, that subscription to that online course with... Um, yeah. And uh, Joel, um, I'll think of it. Anyhow, I used used a lot of what they had had, and and it helps a lot. But uh, I still suffer with uh, Joel Turner. It's Joel, Joel Turner. Turner. Yeah, yeah. Shout out but I, last year I went on a uh, <coughs> mule deer hunt. I was with uh, Matt and Randy Elmer and some other guys, and 
we walk up to the target and the first thing I did is about 40 yards and man I just ripped the ripped it and almost missed the target oh <laughs> Randy looks at me and the other guys and says let me shoot by myself for a minute <laughs> I remember that yeah. well that's a oh. that's a real concern when you do that we had Lincoln up on Jennifer's for sheep hunt and he was bow hunting mm-hmm. and so he's got he's got uh, an audience and so he's shooting at 40 yards what are you doing well, sometimes you talk and you get really loud, okay. so I'm waiting for you to get loud again so I can turn you down. So anyway, he's shooting at 40 yards trying to dial in his arrow to see if his bow's on, you know, because mm-hmm. the airlines kind of beat him up, and he shoots over the target, and he shoots over the target again, and, and you know, we're watching him, and I said, Jennifer, let's leave. Let's let Lincoln do his mm-hmm. thing, because the last thing you want to yeah. do is start feeling the pressure, making yeah. the perfect shot under yeah. pressure. and mm-hmm. It is. I'll tell you what <laughs> happened on this grizzly hunt. I got there, and my bow sight wasn't working. And it's, oh wow! And I I bought a I brought a backup bow, and um, I, unfortunately I didn't have it at camp. I had to have it brought in. But you know I have one of these little portable um, targets, and you may have seen them. They're about this big. They're black and white. Um, I just, it's insert, isn't it? Is that I I, no. I usually take an insert. Oh, this is made. It's like an octagonal thing. Yeah. Oh yes, Ooh, nice yes. word. Yeah, and you um you hang it up um. In a deal, and it was Tom Foss. Adam was had it at one of his things. He was talking about it. I bought it, but I think the purpose of it is to hang it and to shoot it because it's got a strings where you hit it. It doesn't, you know, it pivots when you hit it, so it doesn't take, absorb all the mm. pressure. Well, up where we were, there were no trees, so I propped it up against the tundra, and I shoot, mm. and my arrows were off. At 20 yards, they were like six inches high. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I had to recalibrate that. And yeah. the first couple arrows, they rip all the way through the target. And long story short, in an hour... I had broken two of the broadheads, two of my practice broadheads, lost another one in the snowbank. Oh, I had six arrows that were, the fletching was either broken off, of torn off of them, or they were broken. And this is the beginning of the hunt. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, this is great. <laughs> and I, I told Mark, I said, I got a problem. You know, I cannot get this calibrated. I would get it calibrated at 20 yards. And this is with the range finding bow sight. And when I got it calibrated at 20 and 30, all my other pins were off. And this has happened before with that bow sight for me. It's, and I was like, I was really frustrated because now nothing was, I finally got where I could shoot up to 30 and we were going to go out that evening. But it's like now, you know, my confidence is gone yeah. and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. we wound up getting the, they had to fly, um, they were taking, picking up other hunters and the pilot was going to fly over our camp anyway. So we brought my other bow and um, I shot it and it was on and that's when I was going to hunt with. But it became a matter of for the next however many days it was up to a 10 day hunt i didn't have any other practice broadheads i had seven or eight to hunt with yeah but i didn't want to be shooting all my equipment at it anyway mm-hmm. i'm i'm showing you this device I, I picked this up um uh chris denham had one of these have you ever seen this is a release uh trainer from md 50 gear and it's really light i, <clears throat> I took it with me just to practice my release form mm-hmm. on that deal but this is all i want to practicing with every day 15 to 20 times i added this part this is just uh and i know nobody, nobody can see this but uh, jennifer can put the link it's on almost there. like a site yeah. yeah this is just all this does is just to be able to practice your form your release okay. and be able to focus on something i added that other part of it just so i could have something to look at oh, wow. and let it go but <clears throat> i would sit there and aim at a very small target and just slowly work on my form and my release and i mm-hmm. do that 15 20 times a day because i didn't want to waste any arrows yeah but it you know, since I started out the hunt and lost all confidence and broke my, most of my practice <laughs> stuff, it was nice to have this in my pack and just be able to shoot yeah. with it because I didn't yeah. want to shoot any other stuff. And it, 
wound up, you know, before we went off on the stock on that bear, I shot 15 or 20 times and just really focused on, you know, aiming and slowly releasing it and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And it worked out, but I wanted to bring it up. Um, obviously they're not sponsoring Jennifer or anything, but for, I think they'd get like 30 bucks for this little thing, which is oh. cool. But uh, it yeah. doesn't weigh anything to carry in your pack on those destination hunts. A lot of times there's no target. You yeah. don't have anything you can practice with. Yeah, but. what you just talked about, I went on a, a Sitka blacktail hunt with Frank Noska here about two years <coughs> ago, and we flew into, the, into a river and took rubber rafts and flew down. But first thing I got out, and I thought I was going to sight, just shoot, take a shot to see how my boat was shooting. And man, I completely missed the target, and that arrow just buried into the tundra. Mm -hmm. And I got looking; my whole sight was bent. And oh, oh man, I just so anyhow, I took it all apart and I re-straightened the best I could and got it back. And shoot, trying to shoot at that target, I lost about four arrows mm -hmm. into it, and I'm getting low of arrows. And I, I finally got it to where it was hitting, and I didn't dare shoot anything. But I'll tell you, it shakes your confidence for the rest of the hunt. You don't, yeah. You, I mean, it wound sure up. Does. It wound up. It wound up well, but uh, mm -hmm. boy, just the last thing you want to have happen. Something like that would be very instrumental for something just to yeah. try and bring your confidence yeah back. just to yeah. practice your form and your release mm -hmm. and all that sort of yeah. stuff and give you something to do a lot of those times you're sitting you know glassing for hours and hours and to be able to pull it out and do something it was nice it was a very yeah. lightweight mm -hmm. little deal and yeah pretty it's simple cool. so coolio yes okay. i have a story i am interested to hear um like i said my friends took my phone and wrapped out a bunch of questions and they asked if, if anyone had ever been attacked by a bear. And I was like, well, not a bear. <laughs> but Randy did have an attack happen. So I thought it was kind of funny they asked that question on this podcast. And I was like, well, there actually is a story there. So, um, Randy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your attack story and, okay. like, what attacked you? <laughs> yeah. I was uh, over in southwest of uh, Phoenix, and I backpacked in to the primitive area there for oh, two or three miles. And I'd glassed around all day looking for deer, and I hadn't found anything I wanted. But coming out, uh, there was a little draw that had a, uh, I knew there was some water down the bottom of it, and mm. there was a little tanaha down there, and I thought, boy, this is a good place to. Uh, uh. Anyhow, I, uh, I'd been out hunting all day, and I'd come back, and there, I was coming back out and there was a draw and I knew there's some water down the bottom of it so I thought well this would be a good place to call a fox so I got right up against this little bank there's an old dead tree in front of me that was sitting in the kind of the root ball and I started calling I'd been calling for about 15-20 oh, minutes and just series and I'm sitting there kind of daydreaming just getting thinking about calling again and all of a sudden something hit me right in the back of the head like I'd been hit by a, with a football hmm. and I whirled around I thought somebody did it and I said, what the heck? And there's nobody there. And I turned around. It knocked my hat off my head and knocked my bow out of my hands. Whoa. And here's a big bobcat right in front of me trying to get out of this dead tree that was they'd landed in. <laughs> and so anyhow, I grabbed my bow, and he, the cat went up over the ridge and down the other side. And I got my bow and got uh, back together and ran on top of the ridge. And he ran up on the other side, and I, I shot him, and he went straight in the air. I I knew I'd hit him well, and mm -hmm. so I went over there, and I started following him down to this little bit of a draw, and he went into a big thicket, and uh, I walked around the thicket and to see if I could find where he came out, but uh, I didn't find it, and I came back, and I noticed the blood trail, and then I noticed that I had two blood trails, and then I realized 
it was me bleeding, so I stopped and took a selfie. But uh, mm. he'd uh, got a claw or a claw through my side of my face, but he got one claw through my uh, eye and split my cornea. And but wow. uh, so anyway, I wound up having a surgery. I went there, went to the hospital that night, and was there till four o'clock in the morning. And I called a hound hunter to come back and help me get the cat and i told him i had to be out there by four o'clock and we just barely made it back the next day to you didn't time. get to though you didn't get the no we didn't it get him it rained you. all yeah. night and uh, we we found blood and stuff but we never did get him it rained and it would have been nice to find out if it had rabies or any of that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. Part of that. yeah. nobody even checked with that but i i provoked him i called him in so i yeah but that was that was a funny deal after it was all said and done and i told him i said just i said i know that a wild animal bite or wound is supposed to be reported as game and fish and I said, and there should be something about rabies, and they all just act like it was nothing. And huh. so, anyhow, about three days later, I told my family physician that boy, she got all upset, and she called the health department. And they said, well, it's too late now, anyway. <laughs> so, but that's when you started turning into a, a werewolf, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that? But, uh, yeah, Matt, it happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's terrifying, though. And you had a yeah. real difficult course with your eye, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, it was. I uh, had for six months. I wore six stitches in it, and Whoa. then they they wound up doing. I had a LASIK done, and it ripped my LASIK flap off, and so yeah, they did a couple of operations on it. And how's your vision now? It's not real good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. Luckily, it's it's, it's not your dominant. Yeah, it was eye. my shooting eye. Yeah, that's what's. <laughs> was it your right eye? It's my right and eye. Your left eye. Left hand. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. wow, that's nice. Yeah, so, I shoot right eye dominant. So, aren't you left eye dominant? But you shoot with their. Yeah, I'm left eye dominant. Shoot right handed, which is a disadvantage for wing shooting and stuff. But it's okay. I'm mm-hmm. adapted to it. All right. Well, um, kind of to wrap things up a little bit. So what kind of like advice do you have for like the younger generation, kind of my generation and people even younger? Well, I'm 17. I'm old. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> like my generation and people younger than me who are like just getting into hunting or maybe want to get into hunting um, or even just like who are rifle hunters and kind of want to get into bow hunters, get into bow hunting. Um, so like what kind of advice do you have for um, if they're really interested in, I'd say start small. Mm. I mean, it's you have, and you haven't grown out of it. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> Moving <you>. on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, like, like we talked about, I mean, I chased everything as a young kid and, uh-huh. and it didn't matter if it was a world record animal or not. And I, I learned, I learned so much from, uh, like just, I'll say failing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all yeah. I did as a kid, and I still do. You, you fail, every, you know, when you go out there and you're not successful, but you learn from that. And I would say start small and work your way up. Um, and, uh, you know, this might be off the subject a little bit, but it, um, I watched a lot of my friends in school when I was younger, like freshmen, whatever, and they were all into their sports. And I was really into my archery, shoot tournament shooting hunting Mm -hmm. i just love that so much and maybe i missed out on sports but a lot of my friends were never interested in hunting at all and after they were done with college i would say 80 percent of them are hunters now like now that they were done with their sports as a a kid so there is um it, it shocked me all the people i grew up with that are now into hunting after that um and i don't that has nothing to do with what we're talking about but anyways i just uh, thought that was interesting but that'd be my advice start small have fun with yeah. it and, mm-hmm. and try yeah. to find a friend to share it with yeah do it do it yeah. with a friend yeah good 
No. Even no. a friend who like is a hunter and you just kind of want to go out with them and have fun. A lot of times coyote hunting is how people start. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Like a lot of my brother's friends would be like, all right, let's go coyote hunting. Like just run I, out there and do that. I feel bad because I, I mean, I'll have people coming up and want me to take them hunting and um, this, that, and, and I don't even get time for myself anymore, yeah. let alone um, to go out. And I, I try to, I try to go with people when I can, but I mean, I just feel horrible. I'd like to go out more with people, but just the real world gets in the yeah. way with um, stuff. But you are right. Going yeah. out with a yeah. friend, find some, somebody. Yeah. Some of my favorite hunts is when I was a little kid mm-hmm. and hunting with my brothers, but uh, hunting ground squirrels or yeah. up in idle rock chucks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we had a ball uh, hunting those kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, got to start, just go out for yeah. the adventure. Yes, for yeah. sure. And a lot of... Um, like I mentioned, I said one time in a podcast, the hunting is like the killing of the animals is a split second. Mm-hmm. Um, it really mm-hmm. is. And so yeah. it's the experiences, which is what makes us fall in love with hunting and get addicted to it. Yeah. Because the kill is a split second. It's everything else that surrounds it, which is what we love so much. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on here and you know, Matt dealing with my dad, I know it's <laughs> we had, hard for you I had a lot of fun. Thank, um, thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. It was you really and I would do a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just leaves the immature people out of it. Um, but, yeah, thank you for coming on here and coming down here to come talk with us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate you battling yeah. the traffic. It'll be a Friday evening commute home. And That's all right. It was worth it. That yeah, was a good was time. It was a lot of fun. I like yes. hanging out with you guys. Appreciate yeah. you guys' company. You Absolutely. Guys a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have a lot of memories with you guys at the sheep yeah. show and everything and reminiscing yeah. flooding the Kofas, the sheep show, you know, <laughs> never forget that. But, um, yeah, well, thank you for coming on here and like talking about each of your journeys. It was very interesting to hear because, you know, life is short and so am I. And I'm just trying to make the most out of every day. And I hope that you guys do, too. Oh, that was a good one, Jennifer. You know, it, it shows you never listen to my podcast. That's how I finish every one. But um, I, hope you all have, I hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.